Daniel chapter 4. Once upon a time, I was um, in Baghdad. And Baghdad is an interesting place because it is the, it is the um, seat of where old Babylon used to be. So in Iraq, in ba in just outside Baghdad, about an hour away, is where Babylon was located. And so uh, we got to go one time to that area, and there's really nothing there. So it's all desert, and there's just desert forever and nothing around. And um, as you're driving and you're going along, suddenly you can find, sorry, I, I'm trying to turn to this. There we go. Praise the Lord. Ha-ha. As we're driving, you're driving through desert. It's just desert everywhere, and there's really nothing. And it's funny because then you hit where the, where the rivers are, the Tigris, Euphrates rivers, and suddenly it's like an oasis. And so think of, um, think of Ireland and how green it is and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I came back to the States from Iraq, it was weird flying into Atlanta because it seemed so vibrant with colors. It just, there's colors everywhere. The green grass, the leaves, there's water, there's stuff around. People wear colors because you don't wear a lot of colors there. Um, everything's sort of drab and, and ways to try to keep out the heat. Um, indoor plumbing, it's just different. And so, and so the area is very arid, it's very desert as you're going. Then all of a sudden you hit this oasis. And in this part of the Bible that we're going to read is where that old Babylon was where King Nebuchadnezzar had his hang gardens, which were one of the wonders of the ancient world. And so imagine being in desert, traveling, 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 and then finding the botanical gardens. And walking in, you're looking around, like our botanical gardens, just for our imagination, and you're looking at the plants, and even if you're not a horticulture person, and you're not all about flowers, and you don't have a green thumb, you can't help walk through the botanical gardens and just see the beauty of the flowers and the plants and how they've taken care of it. And you look at it, and you're like, wow. You know, God loves gardens. He put man in a garden in the very beginning. He likes gardens. Um, maybe, in, maybe, you know, someday in the redeemed earth, we won't have to ever cut grass. It just stays perfect all the time. You never have to water fertilizer. It's just perfect. It's, hey, praise the Lord. Or we all get really great mowers. Yeah? No, okay. Anyway, gardens are great. And so imagine for a moment going from the desert and nothing, no color, to a garden like the botanical gardens. It would take your breath away which is one of the reasons that it was so famously popular and a wonder of the ancient world is not just because the garden itself was so beautiful, which all accounts was, it was amazing, but also it's in the desert. It's just a, it's just a feat that they had to build this thing. And in, in Daniel chapter four, we're gonna be talking about um, this, this area and the king who's really walking in one of these gardens and what happens to him. So let's read together and we're gonna read in Daniel chapter 4, here's an interesting aside for you. This is one of the only parts of the Bible where uh, the Hebrew Bible changes languages and does not use Hebrew, it uses Aramaic, which is a wider spread language. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, which is the world power of the time, is uh, making a proclamation to everybody. So the story is interesting because he kind of, he has like the bottom line up front of what he wants to pronounce to everybody, and then he tells the story. So he starts at the end and then comes back to what's happening. So as we read it, you're going to feel that happen. So Daniel chapter 4, let's start at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, 
peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. What, a, what an a incredible announcement. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream, but no one could make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came before me, who was named Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and in their interpretation. These visions of my head as I lay in my bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew, and it became strong, and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off the leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. And let his mind be changed from a man's. And let his beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers. The decision by the word of the holy ones. To the end that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And gives it to whom he will. And sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known for me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered him and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that the top reached to the heavens, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were bountiful or beautiful, and its fruit, fruit abundant, in which the, was food for all, under which the beasts found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king. You who, have become grown, you who have grown and become strong, your greatness has grown and reached to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. 
And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. And it was, as it was commanded to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you for a time that you shall know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you, Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. Praise the Lord for his word. <clears throat> Daniel is a captive. Daniel was taken away from his family. He was brought by military might away from Israel and brought into service in Babylon. This is the same Daniel that will be Daniel in the lion's den. This is the same Daniel that refused to eat the king's food and instead stayed faithful to God. This is the same Daniel that God used to interpret dreams already for the king. And so this is why King Nebuchadnezzar is so confident in Daniel's abilities. Because Daniel not only knows the dream's interpretation, but sometimes he was even able to tell what the dream was because God gave it to him and told him what it was without the king disclosing it. So Daniel knows things nobody else knows. Daniel also has been elevated to a place of premiership. He uh, has been given actually not just chief over the magicians, which is an interesting title, but also Daniel has been made the prefect, the governor of the main center of Babylon. And he was allowed to make uh, other people his friends, basically other Hebrews that loved God, to be some of the city officials that were over the va major vast parts of the capital. Daniel's a big deal, but really he's just a guy that God's using. And here's the king, and the king is dismayed by this dream he's had. Have you ever had a dream that dismays you? Something that just gnaws at you? And, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he knows that this dream has come from a source that's not his own imagination. It's dismaying him because he realizes something here is happening. You know, it's interesting that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, three times notes in the scripture how he has changed Daniel's name. It's not just Daniel, he's, he's Belshazzar now. And that name is actually a name that he's given him that's after the name of his own god. So they called that god Bel, which was the god of fortune and sometimes of prosperity and, and for, for, uh, fertility and all that kind of stuff. And so this Bel, Belshazzar, uh, that name means may the god protect him. Sometimes there's other variations of it. They use a female deity and stuff like that, but that's the root of the name. And so this guy is so important to the state that they've tried to change his name to reflect the state religion. Not only that, he's so powerful beyond anybody else in terms of how God has used him in spiritual things, of knowing dreams, interpreting them, wisdom, all these kind of things, that they've tried to rename him to reflect glory on another deity other than the God of the earth. And the God of creation, who's over every nation, has given a dream now to the king that concerns his own destiny, 
Notice what is Daniel's response. Daniel says, you're going to go insane. You're going to be eating grass in the field like an ox. For seven periods of time, you will be nuts. But God will retain the kingdom for you. He's going to keep it so that you can come back. But then he has a plea to the king. What's his plea? Please repent of your way. Practice righteousness. Don't oppress people. Instead, give justice to the oppressed. You know, this is the ruler of the known world. And this guy, Daniel, is stepping out on quite a limb where nobody else wants to make the king upset. Instead, Daniel is serving him with the truth, really serving him, even at the risk of his own peril, because he's not giving good news to the king. And he's telling him, you, in all your glory, you're the greatest guy in the known world, and you're doing it wrong, and you need to change. Let's look again here at verse 28. I know we're reading a lot. It's a great story. It's the, it's the word of the Lord. It's awesome. Chapter 4, verse 28. <clears throat> All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven among men, and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills immediately. The word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like a bird's claws. He goes totally nuts. Understand, it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain in this part of the world. Um, it rains for a very short kind of monsoon time. For like a month, it dumps a little bit of rain, and it's mud everywhere, and it's a mess. But generally speaking, in a year's time, it just doesn't rain. So like the floods that we had this last week, and God bless you if you've had any problems, let us know because we want to help you. But like the floods we had, you know we had 25% of our annual rainfall fall in one day. That's crazy. That's what it's like. But then the rest of the year, there's nothing. And so when it says the dew of heaven will be upon your body, the way that we would think of rain that nourishes the crops, that's how the plants get their moisture in the desert, is the dew falls just enough. There's just enough to get to the plants to keep them living. So a, a way for us to say this would be, you're going to be driven from among men. You're going to eat grass in the field. You will live in the rain. The rain will fall on your body, and you're not going to realize it because you're going to be like a cattle in our understanding. So he's living outside with no shelter. He doesn't even have enough right mind to get out of the rain. He's, a, he's nuts. He's totally insane. And you can tell by his manner of hair and nails, this is the king of the known world. First of all, the fact that they don't kill him 
is amazing. Most scholars believe that these seven periods of time is seven years. So for seven years, the king is nuts. Now, imagine for a moment, who did King Nebuchadnezzar put in place to rule the capital? It's Daniel. Daniel. God's using Daniel to spare his life. Because Daniel knows what the Lord said. Daniel is the cord of iron around the stump that's not letting him be put out of his misery. Because what nation anywhere is going to let somebody act like that and be your king? Because that guy, whatever he says, they do. And right now, he can't even speak. He's nuts. He's totally nuts. And that's fascinating of how God has aligned politics even to preserve this pagan king. But here's the king. He's out there. They can't even restrain him. Because if they could restrain him, they'd cut his hair. They'd take care of him. They'd put him in the loony bin. They'd put him somewhere where he can get some help. Instead, they just, he's out there. And he's got like these eagle claws. I mean, you go close to him, he's going to cut you. So just stay, just let him, he's like a cow. Just let him be a cow. I don't know. And that's, I mean, that's the king. That's the king of the known world. This guy has conquered nations. He was walking in his hanging garden, a wonder of the ancient world, looking at the beauty of what he's created and saying, aren't I great? And God said, no, you're not. And in an instant, you know what's funny here is immediately the word of God was, was exercised on him. And yet he received that word 12 months in advance. Have you ever heard from God? You know you've heard from God, but it doesn't come true immediately. Sometimes it takes 12 months until the Lord's timing. And God gave him 12 months with the wise counsel of the chief magician, the smartest guy in the known world, Daniel. He's the wisest guy in the known world. He is the head professor of every university. He is the authority when it comes to any education, anywhere. He's the chief magician. And he said, repent. And God gave him 12 months months to stand on his veranda and look out at the garden and say, I didn't create this. Lord, you created this. I cultivated it with you, but I'm going to give you glory because I can't do what you do. And instead he said, look at this great Babylon that I made. And God judged him. And now he goes insane and he's just out there. Verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or stay to him. What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me. And I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Even the king of the earth. 
even the king of the known world, he's able to humble him. What an incredible story. Here's a guy who's a pagan, doesn't believe in God. He probably thinks he is God. And for all accounts, really, they did think he was some kind of God. And instead, he's giving glory to God because God's dominion is over all things forever and ever. And for seven years, he paid the price of living in the rain, eating the grass, and being totally crazy. You ever feel like your life is crazy? There is one king in the earth. His name is Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar saw a dream in which he saw a great tree that reached to the heavens. A great tree that was abundant in its fruit was a blessing to everyone. There was shelter for the beasts of the field. There was a place for the birds to live. All the people were nourished by it. It was the greatest tree in all the earth. But did you know there's only one tree that really truly brings life? When God made the garden originally, he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he made a tree, a tree of life. And when they sinned and rebelled against them, and in their own pride, they said, we want to be more than you have made us. They rebelled against him. They left God's way, and they said they would do it their own way. And when that happened, God guarded the way to the tree of life with a giant angel with a flaming sword. And they were kicked out of that garden of God's provision. But you know, God is so faithful. He's so faithful that he has given us another tree a tree of life that we have. His name is Jesus Christ. And today we ate this meal in which we broke the bread and we remembered his body broken for us. And we ate the bread and we drank the cup and we remembered his blood spilled for us. And we drank this cup into our bodies where we know nourishment because Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't drink my blood, you have no portion in me because he is the tree of life. If you want to know life, if you want to come and find the one tree in all the earth that reaches to the heavens, the one tree by which you can find nourishment and shelter and hope and life and grace, it's Jesus Christ himself who died for us and rose again. And Jesus Christ, his dominion, his perfect rule, his kingship over the whole earth is unchallenged. There is no one who can stand against him. There is no enemy who can defeat him. Did you know that the book of Colossians tells us that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he became sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God. And even as this was happening, even as he was being torn apart by the righteous anger of God against sin, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was throwing down principalities and powers. Because on the outside, it looks like Jesus is being defeated by death. But in reality, he is defeating sin. He is taking dominion over death. He is taking dominion over principalities and powers. He is unchallenged in his kingship. The immortal God in the mortal frame died for us to bring us into relationship with him, that you would live under the shade of his tree, that you would know nourishment from him, that you would eat his body and drink his blood and know peace now in him, and he defeated death. The one enemy that we can never defeat. You know, scientists have tried forever, forever to defeat death. And now they're thinking, maybe we can just freeze people. And if they don't die in the freezing, we'll save you until we can actually, we have defeated death. That will be great. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. Because there's only one who has defeated death. Because there's only one king who has an everlasting dominion that's over all things. And his name is Jesus. 
This Jesus has dominion over fear. He has dominion over death. He rules over hell. He rules over heaven. He rules over the earth. He rules over floods. He is over all things. Depression is under his foot. Sickness is under his foot. He has thrown demons down. He has thrown principalities down. He rules over governments. He brings people into positions of power that he wants to be there. He is God who oversees all things. The tides move because he says so. The earth rotates because he makes it so. He makes the stars twinkle. He makes the, the sun shine. This is the God who is over all things, who has dominion over every part of our life, over your finances, over your life, over your heart, over your emotions. He brings children back to parents. He brings relationships and marriages back together. This is the God who makes covenants. This is the God who's baptized us out of this death that we live in into life in him. And this is the God who's given us every week this reminder that he has dominion over us, over death, over Satan, over all of it. And his victory is good, is good. And you are seated with him to be a co-heir with Jesus. Your life is not a life of being dominated. Your life is a life of dominion with him in his dominion as a slave to righteousness because he is our great king forever. You're never going to be the king, but you get to be a prince and a princess with him in his kingdom. You get to be the, the queen married to the head who's God forever. And this is our great hope. This is our great hope. If today you feel like your life is crazy, if you feel like you have lived in insanity and you have lived in the rain, your nails are long, your hair is long, you have been wayward from God, you know that your life is nuts. Come to Jesus. Repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. I can't do it right, but you did it right. And so I trust you more than I trust me. This is the heart of the gospel. He died for us. He rose again. And we trust him with our whole life because his dominion never ends. Bow the knee now. Bow the knee now and say, Lord, I submit to you. You rule me. And I trust you that you'll save me. If you feel like your family is nuts, maybe you have a family member, maybe a child or a grandchild or a friend or a neighbor, maybe a dad or mom or grandparent who's crazy. And you've told them and they are, they're out of their minds. They're doing things that are ridiculous. They are dominated by addiction. They're dominated by their own sin. They're dominated by winds of philosophy about whatever. They're so deep into stuff, you can't even have a conversation with them anymore. When I was in the seminary, I had a professor who was the president of the seminary, and he told me one time that uh, he was the first saved in his family, and he was on fire for God, and the Lord called him into ministry pretty quick, and he got trained, and he's preaching, and God's using him, and and it's, it was amazing to see all these things happening. And at the same time, he had this longing in his heart because he wanted to see his family know Jesus. They didn't. Nobody did. And one day he got a call after years, years of waiting and trusting God. 30 years he waited to see salvation come on his family. And he got a call from his mom and dad. And they said, son, we finally know what you're talking about. We met Jesus we give Jesus our life. We submit it to him. It's like, it's like we're alive now. We were dead before. And he's on the phone. He said, ah, I can't believe it. How did this happen? How did this happen? And they said, your brother called us from prison. 
and he had some kind of something happened to him in the cell, and he told us about Jesus, and we got saved over the phone. And he said, oh, praise God. He said, I hung up the phone. I said, Lord, you used my stupid brother? <laughs> 30 years. I've been serving you. 30 years. I've done everything you said. 30 years. I'm the president of a seminary, and you used my derelict brother in jail. <laughs> and the Lord said, yep. Sometimes we wait, we pray, we say, Lord, you said you would do this. And 12 months passes, and it's like nothing happened. Sometimes it's 30 years. You know, the Lord answers our prayers. If you feel like your family is insane, maybe it will take 30 years. Maybe it's seven years living in the rain like an ox. Maybe they got to eat grass first. But let's trust him. Let's trust him. Lord, I know you. I know your word. I know your goodness. I know you. I trust you that you are good. And we'll still tell them. We'll still try to have this conversation, won't we? Because maybe today's the day. Because he will have dominion. He will have dominion. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody. And we can say, Lord, I know it's going to be today. And so I'm going to say again, you need Jesus. Let me tell you what he did in my life. I was nuts. But now, reason came to me and I said, Lord, you are your life. I want you to know that life. And if they respond with, screw you, then you say, you know what? Maybe it's tomorrow. Because he will have dominion. He will. And the addictions that we pray for, Lord, free them, help them. Lord, this racism has to stop. This, this junk has to stop. These bad governments, this corruption has got to stop. Lord, we need you. He will have dominion. He will, because his dominion is everlasting over every generation, forever, for all time. He is the king eternal, period. And we need to live in the reality of what he has called us to, because he is good. So maybe you're feeling crazy. Maybe you feel like your family is crazy. Maybe you feel like the times are crazy, and you're not wrong. They're nuts. Philosophies that are contradicting God's word that are contradicting common sense, are, are assailing us from all sides. We have never lived in a time with as much connectivity as we do now. But that means that these dumb ideas are everywhere. Evil ideas are everywhere. And they're forcing their way into the discussion, and they're not from God, and they are not good. And I'm telling you, he will have dominion. And he will use us, not slapping people, not being ridiculous, but saying there is a king in heaven seated on the throne. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just stay on earth hanging out. He didn't go back to being a baby in the manger. He didn't go back to the cross. He didn't stay in the tomb. He went to the throne because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He will have dominion. He'll have dominion over our government, over our town, over our families, over our streets. He'll have dominion over potholes. He'll have dominion over all of it. And maybe it means that we go out and we fill a pothole. Maybe it means that we go out and we run for office. Maybe it means that we go and speak to people in charge. Maybe it means that we stand up for righteousness. Maybe it means all those things. It does mean those things. But it means that we take dominion under him because he has dominion. Last night I was, I was preparing this sermon and thinking about things, and I saw a mouse. I was sitting outside on my porch, and I saw a mouse come out of a hole in my house. 
And the, I'm telling you, out of my, here's what came out of my mouth. I saw him. I was like, you did stop it in Jesus' name. Get out of my house. You will not live here. Get out. You do not have a place in my house, mouse, in Jesus' name. Because I'm taking dominion over the mouse. Now, I probably need to set some traps too, right? Let's be smart. Let's be smart. Having said that, though, is the spirit of dominion rising up in you? Or are you dominated? Are you dominated by your finances? Are you dominated by addiction? Are you dominated by sugar or television? Are you dominated by romance novels? Are you dominated by looking the other way for things? Are you dominated by just keeping the status quo and not rocking the boat? Are you dominated by your career because you want to get ahead so you're not going to say anything? Because it'll rock the boat too much. Are you dominated by dollars? He shall have dominion. So in our hearts, make it clear, Lord, you have dominion over me. The craziness goes away when the clarity of the gospel shines on our lives. Lord, my family, my neighbors are nuts. You shall have dominion. And I will pray them into the kingdom because I know you hear my prayers. And if it takes 30 years or 50 years, if it's on their deathbed or if it's tomorrow, I'm going to be there to disciple them because I know you are doing something. I know it because I, I trust you. And I trust you more than I trust their insanity. And in our times, feeling the craziness, feeling the weirdness, he will make a change. You know, in Baghdad, Saddam Hussein, the king of Iraq at the time, was very wealthy. The people were super poor, but he had gold toilets. I mean, he was very wealthy. Did you know that he built a replica of ancient Babylon for the tourists near the original site so that he could keep the actual Babylon for himself. There are a lot of replicas around. There are a lot of fake kings making fake dominion. There's a lot of people who are pretending that they have great things and great gardens. I'm telling you, there's only one king, there's only one tree, there's only one life. His name is Jesus Christ. He is seated on the throne, and he shall have dominion. And you are a people of dominion. Stop living dominated in your thinking, in your emotions, and instead step and say, Lord, I need you. I trust you, and I know you. And see him ruling and reigning. And if you find that too hard, because there are things like depression that are very hard. And you see it and you can, it's dim though and there's, it's like a haze. Then step in faith and say, Lord, I trust you. And today, right now, come up here and I'm going to pray for you. The elders will pray for you. Because the Bible says if you're sick, come to the elders, present yourself. We're not going to do anything magic. But I'm telling you, if the word of God is taking dominion over these things, let's take dominion over that emotion. Let's take dominion over that suffering. And we'll set traps for the mice. We'll still see help and all those kind of things. Amen to that. And also, let's see what God does. Decisions and hurt and awkwardness. And it's been 30 years and I'm still hanging on. And I don't know if I have enough faith to wait. Okay. Let's see him take dominion. He's good. He's good. Amen to that? Amen. You are a people of dominion. If you would like some prayer, then come over here. We're gonna, I'll hang out right here. We're going to be dismissed here in just a minute. Just come. We don't need music. I know we've got plans for lunch. It's 12.05. The Lord's here. And he's with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's on the throne, and he hears your prayers. 
Let me pray for you. Let's see the Holy Spirit move because he's good. He's God. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your dominion is an everlasting dominion. Thank you that you have made us a people of dominion in you, under you, because you have joined us to our head. You have given us access again to the tree of life through Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we want to honor you. Father, we don't want any mice in our houses. So Lord, we take dominion in the name of Jesus under you, that by your spirit, flush out sin, flush out death, flush out sickness, flush out bad philosophies, flush out all those things that don't belong to you. Lord, instead, by your resurrection life, Father, help us remember, like when we came out of baptism, Lord, the, the purity, the, the closeness that we have with you, that you, O oh God, have made us your temple, that we are with you and that you have dominion over all things. Lord, we start with our hearts and minds. Have dominion over us. Lord, for our families, for those we're reaching out to, Lord, for people that we love, maybe it's been 30 years. Father, let today be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray with faith knowing that you can move mountains. Father, move those mountains. Lord, take dominion over those people. Force them to bow the knee now because they are insane, God. Lord, let reason return to them. Let them see you clear and say, I know the God of heaven and his salvation. And Lord, let us be blessed that when it doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen, that you are glorified. Thank you, God. Lord, help us be ready to disciple them. Father, for our nation, for our world, Lord, for Pakistan and India and Zambia and Zimbabwe, for China, Lord, for Ukraine, for Russia, Father, for South America, Lord, for North America, for Alaska, for Antarctica, Lord, for every part of it, every part of your globe, for every people everywhere, for every animal everywhere, for every plant everywhere, Lord, you have dominion. So, Lord, I ask you, God, for righteous governments. I ask you, Lord, that you would root out the corruption. Father, I ask you, God, for righteousness, peace, and joy to reign in St. Louis, Missouri, and beyond. Father, every, every place now, every church that you have formed, every congregation that is yours who is preaching the gospel, Father, make them fruitful beyond their belief. Yes, yes. That, Father, you would bring in new, a harvest of new Christians. Lord, let revival come again on our nation, on every nation, on this whole world, that we would see you and serve you. And, Lord, we look to you. And for anybody who's here today, Father, who is feeling defeated, who's feeling crazy, who's feeling like they are being beat down and there's, and there's dominion happening over them, Lord, let them see you. Let them know your nourishment. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would rise them up. Father, that they would walk in your way in Jesus' mighty name. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. God bless you all. Have a great week. If you'd like prayer, we'll be right there. Come on over. If you don't want prayer, praise God. In a couple of minutes, come say hi, because that would be fun anyway. God bless you all. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.